0: Uh, We're kicking off a series um, called Healthy Living. And last week, Dr. Sidney Hankerson, uh, he's a psychiatrist and assistant professor at Columbia University, uh, opened us up with a conversation about faith and mental health. And I told him after the service, I don't know why I brought you in on the first Sunday, because that means I got to come and follow (laughs) that. I should have had you on the back end at the end of the month. But if you did miss it, um, the podcast, if you go to Victory Seaville. Um, on google play or the app store you can download it there i think it'll really bless you as it did us who were here and we'll be continuing that conversation not just in the month of may because it's mental health awareness month though certainly that's a part of why uh, but because we believe it's important to god in a way that he wants to meet us and expand our understanding of how he might bring healing to us should we be struggling or dealing with what is a health concern And it might be through mental health professionals in this community that could serve us well that God would want to bring such healing to us. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day for the third or fourth time maybe that you've heard that. Um, A day that brings about a range of emotions, no doubt. Um, Maybe tearful joy. 30, 40 minutes ago, however long it was, I gave my biological mom a call for a few minutes It was a bit of that tearful joy, but perhaps on another part of the spectrum, there is pain of a memory that you'd rather not have cross your mind this day, or uh, pain of the inability maybe to bear children, or to have born children, and maybe to have lost them. So we acknowledge the full range of of emotions that this day brings, and pray that God would be near to you wherever you sit this day, and we believe that he'll do just that. Amen amen. We are going to continue this uh, series today, although we're going to take a slight turn because of Mother's Day, but we'll connect it to this larger theme of healthy living. And I'll ask that you turn with me first to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. How am I doing, Willie? It's okay? Good. All right. Thank God for an amazing AV team. That would have taken me two hours To fix. Can we give it up for them? Because every week, right? Most of the time, you don't know an AV team is there until something goes wrong, right? We've been here five months and there's nothing. So thank you guys. And then when there is something, I'm like, man, do what you do. So appreciate you all for uh, enabling us to not have to scream all morning. It's great. Thank God for that. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, you got that? Once you have that, uh, put your finger there if you're still using the hard copy for my OGs in the house. Uh, Hold your finger there and then go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 and we'll look at verses 20 and 21 and then we'll skip a few and go to verses 27 through 30. So again, we'll start with Proverbs 3 uh, verses 7 and 8 and then we'll go to 2 Kings chapter 4 uh, verses 20 and 21 and then 27 through 30. As you're finding those scriptures, let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word today. Uh, We thank you for uh, your word itself, and we'll pray according to it. In Psalm 119 and 18, it says, Open up our eyes so that we might see everything here in your law. Uh, Because unless you open our eyes, we we can't see. We we can't really understand nor apply um, the nuggets of truth that you'd want us to apply in our lives. So this morning, I'd ask that you'd open our eyes, open our hearts, Uh, that you would speak through me, that you'd kind of remove me and not allow me to be a stumbling block in any way to the things you want to say to us, and that what we discussed would transition from not just being head knowledge, though important, but it would drop about 18 or so inches to our heart and become a lived reality in our lives, not just Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. Uh, We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to study your word together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to start with Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, because it's going to be somewhat of the framework for today, the conversation that we'll have um, uh, as it relates to healthy living, and, and then 2 Kings will be more of the text that we that we focus on uh, today. I don't usually give shout outs because I want to shout every single one of you out, but Cameron, I haven't seen you in a long time, bro. How you doing? Good to see you, man. Yeah. Uh, when I was in Northern Virginia for that quick 18-month stint at Grace Covenant Church, for those who don't know, it was our parent church. I walked into a Chick Fil A there. Uh, one of our members actually there was an operator, and wouldn't you know, God bless us with an operator here too. Another story. And I walk in and see Cameron Kennedy, who went to school here in Charlottesville, and I knew when I was uh, back in the day, really uh, here, and, and now he's graduated from college and back here. I'm guessing, or uh, just, for the just for the weekend. All right, well, it's good to see you. Um, And we can do that all day, but it caught my attention. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. With that in mind, with that as a framework for this next text, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. We'll read verses 20 and 21, and then we'll read verses 27 through 30. Verse 20 says, after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. Skip down to verse 27. It reads, when she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Ozzie came over to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress. But the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Verse 28, did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said. Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, And as you live, I will not leave you. So he got up and followed her. Um, The title of the message this morning is No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. Yes, I was a wrestling head growing up in the 80s. um, I was, in fact, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Um, And if you left us kids alone for any amount of time, at church especially, um, at any moment, I would be climbing something or somebody in the room would climb something and unannounced give somebody else the business, (laughs) Uh, whether it was Superfly's move or what else we got, Jake the Snake's DDT move or Mr. Perfect's perfect flex, what what else we got, Hulk Hogan's leg drop, nobody's here with me, the real wrestling heads would know, I don't know what's happening today with wrestling, but then as we all say at some point, the good old days of wrestling, that's where it was was at. Um, And No Holds Barred was, in essence, in that space, dictating the rules or lack thereof that you'd have to engage. Any move could be employed. Nothing was off limits. In fact, in 1989, Hulk Hogan and Zeus, y'all remember them? They were in a movie entitled No Holds Barred. And I'm not don't want to talk about wrestling. So I'm looking at some of your faces like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm going to move on from that. But the three words chosen for today are chosen for today because there's another important relevance to us that I'm grateful for. Um, For those who profess our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as such, we serve a God who doesn't have a certain prescription for how we come and hold on to him. Doesn't matter your pedigree, doesn't matter your background, doesn't matter the zip code you live in, doesn't matter whether you're black or white or whatever. He says, come, Matthew eleven twenty-eight, 28, unto me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come and take hold of me. There are no holds barred. The challenge, though, I think for us is at times where for us to hold on to him better, we've got to shut the door on some things which can be at times some tension. I think this text, though, particularly in 2 Kings chapter 4, encourages us to do just that, to shut the door and to hold on to truth. For a little bit of a backdrop, 2 Kings implies that there's a first king. So 1 and 2 Kings are books that essentially illustrate the failure of uh, the Old Testament kings to align with the covenantal kingship with David. It illustrates the failure really beginning with Solomon, David's son, though in 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, verse 23, it says he excelled all the kings of all the earth in riches and in wisdom, but whose unfaithfulness later on in life set the stage for the abandonment of the faith apostasy, as it's called among the people. God's faithfulness, no, never ceased. y'all a chance to run if you want, because sometimes we're not faithful, but God is. Does anybody ever know or have experienced moments in life where, God, I've not been, but you have been? God's faithfulness in the midst of that craziness never ceased. In this case, his faithfulness was shown most notably through the prophets that he sent, those who spoke or speak the mind of God. Elijah, you may have heard of, a notable prophet in this era, warned the people not to serve other gods. Second Kings opens up with the closure of Elijah's ministry, his prophetic ministry, which lasted a bit of time and then opens up the conversation about the long and prophetic ministry of his protege, Elisha. And it's interesting, Elisha, who is spoken of in the text that we're talking about today, that when Elijah asked him, what is it you want from me? When I go away, what is it that you would want me to give to you? Elisha said to him, I don't want anything but a double portion of your spirit. Which is, I'm sure, what all of you would ask for if somebody said to you, Bill Gates or somebody like that, what do you want? Just a double portion of your spirit. (laughs) But that's what Elisha said. It would kind of be like LeBron James becoming a much better player if he could just have a double portion of MJ's talent. Every now and then I'll come back to that. Sorry, but not sorry. Turn your neighbor and say it might be tight, but it's right. No. Oh, (laughs) that would be a modern day, say, example of how somebody could be upgraded. Elisha said, I just want your spirit, a double portion of it. And if we study his life, Elisha, that is, we'll see his humility. We'll see his love for the people of Israel. We'll see his um, his gifting, his obedience to God such that God would work powerfully through him he said i just want a double portion of elijah's spirit now let's talk about elijah just briefly because i think it's really relevant to know just how bad a man he was and we can read first kings 18 at a later date to see just kind of the the ways through which elijah would function if you go there you'd see kind of an old school showdown if you will a guy named ahab comes to elijah and says something along the lines of man you're causing trouble in israel what is your problem and he says me you're the one causing trouble in israel you're straying from god's commands Tell you what. Let's settle this now and for all. We're going to determine who is the real God. This is Elijah, J.A.H. talking. Right. He says, go tell all the people in Israel to come down here. You get two bulls. We'll get some wood. And and whoever rains down fire is the real God. Meet me at Mount Carmel is what Elijah said. If ever we heard a meet me after school kind of a statement in here. Right. (laughs) Meet me at Mount Carmel. So they get to Mount Carmel. And sure enough, Ahab calls all the people of Israel. So everybody's out there watching this. The two bulls are there. The wood is there. The folks on this side, they start calling out to their God of Baal. And they're yelling. They're screaming. Elijah sitting back and saying, uh, hmm, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he can't hear you because nothing is happening. Maybe he, maybe he is off running errands. Why don't you scream a little bit louder? Read 1 Kings 18. It says, and they shouted louder. And then they started to cut themselves. And blood was then starting to flow. And nothing happened. Couldn't help when reading that, babe, to think, man, I need to get on the court and talk some trash because it's biblical. Like now I can go back with like I'm you in the work of Jesus. I can talk a little trash. That's what he was doing. Talk a little louder. Scream a little more. And he says, OK, enough. Nothing happened. They continued throughout the day. Elijah then calls on before he actually calls on God. He says, wait a minute. Before I start, get four big jars of water, huge tubs of water. Pour them on the wood. Wait, you want fire to consume the wood. Why would you put water in it? Do it. They do it. He says, OK, get four more. Do it again. OK, they do, do it again. A third time. And they're now looking at a drenched wood in the trench. The water is flowing all down the altar. Elijah, if you know the story, begins to call on God. What happens? Fire comes down from heaven, consumes all of the wood and licks up. The scripture says all of the water that was in the trough. That's who our God is. But that is who Elijah was in terms of his availability for God to work in And through him, Elisha wants a double portion of his spirit. And Elisha's ministry, if we look in the book of 2 Kings, begins first in the second chapter with the healing at the spring of water near Jericho. And then it continues in the chapter that we're focusing on today, chapter 4, with him approaching a poor widow and helping her with the financial concern. If you read earlier on in that chapter, it talks about. Elisha saying to this woman or she saying to him initially, you know, I've got some problems. My husband passed away and I've got my two boys here. We've got some debts to pay. They're going to come after us and probably take my kids and slave them. I don't know what to do. And Elisha says to her, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to your neighbors and pick up some milk containers. Not really, but whatever you might go to your neighbor to get for us as leaf blowers. But that didn't work too well with that analogy. We in our neighborhood do some crazy things. But there it was go to your neighbors and borrow some jars, get some empty jars from your neighbors, bring them over here. And with the one jar of oil that you do have, just start to pour. And the Bible says she began to pour. And the oil never ran out. All of the empty jars began to fill up. So Elisha here now is a part of God working this miracle on his behalf. And then secondly, we get to the miracle that's seen in the text that we've read Today, he comes to the town of Shunem and he would often stay in the home of this couple, invited by the wife particularly, who said, we need to make room for this guy. He's a holy man of God. Make room for him so he can stay and he can eat with us any that he wants. So Elisha now is just hanging out with them when he's in town doing the work of God. And he's here with them and he says to them, listen, for all of your generosity, what is it that I can do for you? Anybody like that? I hope you are like that. Probably got some friends that aren't like that. You do some stuff for them and they're like, thank you. <laughs> Peace out for the hundredth time. Elisha said, no, what is it that we can do for you? You've been generous to us. What can we do? And in so many words, the woman says, no, nah, I'm good. No worries. No problem. I'd love to serve. But when Elisha found out through his servant Gehazi that the woman and the husband didn't have any kids, he says, you know what? We're going to provide a son. And he said to her, prophesied, this time next year you are going to have a boy. And she said these words second, kings, second second kings chapter 4 verse 27. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, man, stop playing. Anybody ever bring good news to you and you're not quite ready to celebrate till you know that it's really really true? Like I'm telling my kids there's no school today, for example, and they're like there's no there's no school? Like there's there's no Actually, this is a bad example because our kids, they got this from you. When we tell them there's no school, they're actually like, no, I want to go to school. So that's actually a bad off the cuff example. But uh, Minneapolis, the final four. Somebody said, hey, Emma, I got tickets to the final four. You want to go? I'll pay for your flight and the hotel. You'd probably be like, for real? Right? Like, man, stop playing. <laughs> that's, that's what's happening here. Lord, please don't, don't mess with me like this. Is this for real? Elisha says, for real, for real, this time next year, you will have a son. And sure enough, next year, that time, well, she got pregnant. And next year, that time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had promised. Later, though, as our text read, this boy becomes ill. He's out there in the fields with his daddy. He's saying in the text, my head, my head. And the daddy says to his servant, take him and carry him to his mother which I had to chuckle at a little bit. I'm like, man, that started way back then. (laughs) What's wrong? Go talk to mommy. It's kind of how that goes, right? (laughs) Dr. Mom. So he said, servant, take take him and take him to his mother. So he did. Verse 20 says the servant lifted him up, carried him to his mother, and then she held held him on her lap until noon, at which point he died. And then verse 21 says this, she went up she laid him on the bed of the man of God and then shut the door and went out. A lot of examples in scripture of shutting the door. So I want to pause just briefly there. Genesis 19 is one uh, when the, the, the man pulled Lot in back inside the house when they were trying to get him. And it says they shut the door. Ezekiel is an, another example, where it says the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, get inside and shut the door. Shut yourself in your house. I can't imagine. It's Mother's Day, right? Can't imagine for so many reasons the number of things moms have shut the door on in life. The pain, loss that you've experienced that maybe no one else would ever know. But for the benefit of many times us and others shutting the door meant that you kept some things to yourself for the betterment of others. I can't imagine the depth of the loss experienced by moms that many people maybe didn't even know about, or if they did know about the loss, they didn't know the depth of said loss, nor could they ever understand. The pain of the circumstances associated perhaps with trying to become a mom. Moms, today and every day, you are amazing. Shutting the door is not just though containing something that no one knows or fully understands. It's also keeping out the unnecessary drama, the distractions, the threats to our overall health. Again, Mama's only you and God know the fear that you've had to shut the door on, the anxiety you've had to shut the door on, the doubt, the cynicism that you've shut the door on in terms of keeping out so that you could then stay focused on God, on us little babies, to keep us right and to help us live well. Again, mamas, thank you. I'll never know fully the extent of my mother's own sacrifice for me to be standing here on this stage. I know a little bit of her story, but never will I fully know. We have to shut the door, each of us, mothers or not, on some things in life. Cynicism perhaps might have been why she was shutting the door here. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. We can use our Holy Spirit imagination. But I imagine some of the cynicism might have been who, what prophet came and told you what? Tell me about that prophet now. Where's your son now? Might have been some of what she was shutting the door on. Gave you a baby and now he's who does that? Who allows you to experience that kind of pain? Yet she says, I'm shutting the door. And if you didn't know here at Victory, another parenthetical, we believe so heart, so wholeheartedly in living life in community. We have victory groups that lend themselves toward that. We have non-ministry teams that lend themselves toward that. And not everyone, though, needs to know the pain and the loss because not everyone is going to join you in that pain and loss with the kind of faith that it's going to take to resurrect the things in your life. Can you say amen to that? There's community, and then there's wisdom and discretion about who and what might need to have the door shut not everyone needs to be in that space after she shut the door she then goes out and diligently pursues the man of god upon finding him in verse 27 it says she took hold of his feet so the main point idea today is for each of us to shut the door and hold on to truth shut the door and hold on to truth All of us, mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, nieces, cousins, aunties, your uncles, your best friend, mama and them. All of us have been through something in life. I suspect mothers in particular today have had your share of hard times. And in those times, I imagine it's hard to shut the door and hold on to truth. There may have been times in your life where maybe it was tough to shut the door on alcohol because of the pain experienced. Or to shut the door on prescription drugs or to shut the door on suicidal thoughts or to shut the door on doubt or to shut the door on you filling the blank in your own life. Maybe there's some generational doors that have just been burst open that you've been struggling all your generation to close in your generation so that it doesn't have to continue. And I suspect that has been incredibly difficult to do so. And if we're keeping it really 100 Not only is it difficult sometimes to close the door, sometimes we might want to just take the doors off the hinges and let it all come in. Whatever it is that we think might be the plausible solution to the challenge, the death, if you will, the loss that we have experienced. But here is some good news. Somebody say good news. Even if we're struggling to shut some doors, God is saying there is no barring of any holes. there are no holds barred you do not have to have it all together this isn't a message which I know is a slippery slope of saying get it together shut the door and then come in and hold but God is saying no if you're having difficulty holding on come to me with that and I'll work with you on whatever that loss whatever that difficulty whatever those challenges might be and together with my power made perfect in your weakness we will shut some doors in your life to help you to continue to grow I'm reminded of the woman who couldn't stop bleeding in the Gospels. Matthew 9 talks about it. Mark and Luke also talk about it. And it says she pushed through the crowd just to get a hold of Jesus's skinny jeans. <laughs> I was trying to think, what would he be wearing today? We know Some of us know the story. We so commonly say the hem of his garment. But if somebody talked to you like that, you'd be like, well, I mean the skinny jeans. But she pushed through just to get a touch. Probably going through some difficulty, having to shut the door on pride or whatever else might have been circulating about her. The woman at the well who didn't have it all together. In fact, God said, I know all about you and the five husbands you do have, but she didn't have to have that together for her to come and take a hold of him. Jacob, Genesis says, he held on and said to the Lord, I'm going to hold on until you bless me. Mothers, we will never know the doors you've had to shut for our benefit. We'll never know the extent to which you struggle with All of what we've outlined, one might struggle with. Never understand the exhaustion. Never understand the sacrifice. Never understand so much of what you've done for us to have a high sense of self and live life more abundantly. But the text goes on to say that she did start to ask questions like, quote, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I say not to raise my hopes? In other words, why, God? Why? And I'm looking in the crowd, and I imagine none of you have ever asked why. Never crossed your mind to say why. But some people out there might wake up some morning saying, why, God? Why did I have to deal with this? Why did I have to go through this? If you're a good God, why am I watching my family member suffer with this? Why, God? Not you. A little too holy for that. Somebody you know. Maybe sitting next to you. But why? Why god what why did you give me the son didn't i tell you don't raise my hopes as i studied this i said god thank you because for some of us we are right there and you meet us there in a lot of ways but for our time's sake we will emphasize that it is nothing wrong with asking questions of god the slippery slope though is in questioning god she said did i ask for ask you for a son my lord didn't I say not to raise my hopes? Even in her asking the questions why, there's still this allegiance, this reverence and fear of a holy a holy God. We can ask questions. He wants that relationship through prayer and through his word so that he can engage us in that space and be near in the pain that he too experienced when he walked in the flesh on this earth. And then it says in verse 30, for example, that as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, says, I will not leave you. How many of us are willing to say, no matter what, Lord, it's painful, but I'm not leaving. I might ask why, but I'm not questioning you. I just, help me understand, we say in the counseling world. Help me understand, but I'm not going to leave you. Elisha then sends Gehazi ahead with some directions on what to do when he reaches the boy. And he does so, but the boy remains dead. And then Elisha comes on the scene, fast forwarding a bit. And in verse 33, it says that he went in and again, we don't have time again, to shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. A couple of verses later, the boy sneezed seven times, the scripture says, and then opened his eyes. Mothers, fathers, everyone in attendance, be encouraged. Your faith makes a difference Your faith brings life to those around you. Your steadfastness allows for resurrection to happen in your family. And be encouraged, too, as we come to a close, that even in the loss, the pain that we might experience on a daily basis, God chooses in his infinite wisdom not to bring resurrection. That he is still the resurrection. He's still the life. He's still holy. He's still omnipresent and omnipotent. He's still our savior. He's still worthy of shutting the door and holding on to the truth, because the truth is, before we ever got this opportunity, Kate, to shut the door, as I'm encouraging us to do in our respective lives, the truth is he shut the door, shut the door on sin, shut the door on death and the grave, so that we would not have to experience the penalty of sin, that we could have victory over the power of sin, and someday we would no longer need to experience the presence of sin. He is still very much worthy. So wherever you find yourself today, I believe that encouragement, admonishment of shutting the door and holding on to truth could help us today. So the challenge, quite simply, is what this week might you be shutting the door on better than you did last week? What is it that you might not need to err The shutting of things in that you might not need to broadcast to the world. But take it to Jesus, it said she laid that boy on the bed of Jesus, shut the door. Conversely, what is it that you might need to shut out? What resentment, bitterness, hurt, cynicism, doubt might there be in your life that you need to say, you know what, I'm shutting the door today on that. Don't need that cynicism in my life. Don't need the doubt in my life. Don't need the unbelief to join me here, because right now I need help for my son that I'm sitting in ER with. And if your faith isn't ready to join with that, I need to shut the nonsense and drama out. Are you hearing me? What is it in your life that you need to shut the door on and hold on to truth? And I imagine a group of people who shut the door on those things, those those ever so tempting things to grab hold of that might seemingly in the moment be plausible solutions to the loss and the challenges we face. We can see something happen in our community that's never been seen before. I talked this morning uh, briefly to our leaders about two individuals in the Bible who were were given a promise. Joseph, given a promise, a dream. David, given a promise to be king. And in each of their lives, it was 15 or so years before they ever saw it because there was some testing, some proving of how they were going to close or shut some doors and hold on to truth. And with the character developed the, the capacity to steward the gospel better, then God said, come on in to what I've had for you all along. But you're coming in with a better sense of who I am. What I think that believe means for us here at Victory is God is calling us into some spaces. When we talk about reconciliation, as cute and succinct a phrase as that is, and I hear the vision said a lot, and I love it because I'm like, that's why we intentionally made it so that you could remember it. That process ain't pretty or succinct or cute. But there will be some testing, some, some messes, some losses that in the midst of, we'll have to say, you know what, I'm closing the door on marginalizing your voice. I'm closing the door on whatever it looks like. I'm closing the door and I'm holding on to the truth of God's word that says life and life more abundantly for me, for my family, for this community.